0: Welcome to The Hidden Rainbow, the podcast that delves into the complexities of being South Asian and queer in America. I'm your host, T. And I'm your host, S. In each episode, we will be exploring unique experiences, struggles, and triumphs of South Asian Americans in the LGBTQ community. From grappling with cultural expectations and prejudices to navigating relationships with family and community, we will be getting candid with our guests about their journeys and coming out finding community, and creating their own definition of what it means to be South Asian and queer. So whether you're South Asian, LGBTQ, an ally, or just curious, we invite you to join us on this journey of self-discovery and acceptance. Let's start the hidden rainbow together. So, (laughs) happy Pride Month. I know I didn't get to see you at the beginning of Pride. I know. Sorry, your dog is just so (laughs) (laughs) That's my dog, Anne. She's very... (laughs) 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 She's an ally as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure she has a crush on the dog next door. (laughs) Side eye.
1: (laughs) Okay, so as we, like, kind of end this journey, temporarily, probably for now, I think it's important to kind of reflect on this podcast, and I want to share my thoughts of, like, what I've learned and, like, grown, even though it's been, like, only two months I feel like it's been a pivotal two months so like for personally from this experience because of tea and some um other influences I've kind of embraced my South Asian experience in a different way especially embracing it with queerness like I think this experience has helped me embrace uh and find the intersection between the two because I've never quite sit with what it means to be a South Asian queer person. It's always been like individual experiences like South Asian, like food, culture, family, things like that. And then queerness of being marginalized in individually in each of those communities. So I think together I've really sit with that and like seen how that's like progressed. And I think specifically, I am i think I'm like leaning more into my South Asian-ness in like a really different light I think so it's not just the acceptable qualities that people have deemed cool but also the ones that people have made fun of at least in my childhood like one example I can think of concretely is that like clean girl aesthetic where it's been like we were ostracized for having coconut oil in our hair or like having that slicked down look and even recently I've like started to put coconut oil back into my hair and like embrace that aspect and I just I think this has pushed me to like crave and want more South Asian content and representation and furthermore more South Asian queer um, representation do you have any like
0: thoughts on that yeah so I think all of what you've said is amazing and I'm really glad that you decided you wanted to do this <laughs> with me and I'm really glad I met you again in college meeting and C and some of the other South Asian queers was really eye-opening. And after some experiences prior to that, I felt ostracized and I never felt like queer enough or gay enough. And I was kind of like mentally stuffing myself back in the closet and being like, well, if I don't meet these certain criteria of what somebody is supposed to act like or look like and do, I guess I'm not queer. So upon meeting like you and C and some other people, I really started to understand, like, the intersectionality of our culture, our race, our values, family, and what that means in the queer community. I don't think that it's something that a lot of people think about often, but after seeing how other, like, quote-unquote queers of color were feeling, I saw that this was a universal experience of just, like, not quite fitting the mold of the image of what a queer person looks like and we bring very different aspects to the table and i think that it's important to address that which is why i felt like making this podcast was necessary representation matter culture matters and different identities matter so i wanted to end that with saying you matter is about acceptance education and love and this podcast was made to make you feel seen and understood I wanted to present a lot of research and news about the South Asian queer experience. So I sprinkled in a lot of stuff throughout the episodes, but I think it's also important to talk about art and literature. And because I haven't really delved into that aspect of the like representation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like S is gonna go into that a bit more. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so
1: also just to piggyback before I get into the artistic representation and, like, why that matters to me. I just, like, wanted to say my piece about how I feel about South Asian queers. Like, I want people listening, if you're a South Asian, like, we say in our tagline, like, whoever you are, especially, like, the South Asian queer people, I just want you to know and I I continue to remind myself that it's okay to, like, continue to figure out your identity. Like, you're not selfish, you're not, like, a privileged little kid who, like, like, our Sometimes our parents or community likes to tell us, like it's totally valid to figure out our identity and figure out where we place in the world and develop that and break through that generational trauma that tells us all you have to do is work and not think about anything else. So I just, and I think because like at the end of the day, the only person who can take care of yourself and like know yourself truly is yourself. So I think that's the most valid quality to develop and really understand, and I honestly believe that will make you a better person. So like, don't feel bad if you want to develop who you are and like you don't understand who you are, and that's like a big stress in your life because it is important. So, let's see. Uh... Okay. So now my piece about like arts and like why this episode is important to me and like why I wanted to end this episode off is I realize. I, like, throughout my life, and I think, like, around COVID, that, like, the way I connect with the world is through the arts, and what I realized is what I want to do is, like, share the South Asian queer artistic experiences that have allowed me to feel heard and seen with other brown queers, but this is kind of selfishly for my South Asian queer women and non-binary folk, I just feel like, I feel a special connection with those folks, because like there's so many like factors against us like there's so many marginalizations against us so I just want to like really shout us out and help us find a community through the arts and I also just want to shout out the brave brown queers in media who are able to forge through the cultural barriers and speak their truth and my wishes are for South Asian queers to find that community with South Asian queers like how we find community as being brown in the U.S. or the Western world, and also one day, like, gain a voice to speak our needs and be selfish to share and revel in our identity. I know that's, like, a lot. (laughs) But, okay, so now onto like, the happier stuff or, like, what, just to, like, give out recommendations. I think I'll, I just want to, like, share some South Asian queer artists, authors, and musicians I consume. Just a disclaimer, it might not impact you the same way it has for me, and, like, you might not identify with how they identify with but I think just being aware that there's like plethora okay not a plethora there is there are some resources and like some avenues to find representation is comforting to know okay Okay, so I think I will start chronologically of like how I delved into the experience so musicians first before the podcast I was listening to the artists I'm gonna talk about today because like music is very deep and like it is such a big part of my personality, which is probably why I wanted to find some artist who spoke my truth or at least like could understand a little bit. And even it's not, it's not about even like talking about my experiences, it's more about just seeing South Asian people represented in different jobs, <laughs> to be honest, because I think there's like that stereotype that we're only in STEM fields and it's like refreshing to see us part of like different industries and especially for me the music industry so i know like bollywood and like or whatever regional music you've been exposed to as a kid has existed and it's like very nice to have but i think for people especially who live in the western world or in america it's good to see our roots or like our cultural impact being a part of that so like having south asian american queer artists that's like so many adjectives. (laughs) So I definitely listen to these two bands or people I'm gonna mention. They are both part of the punk scene, which traditionally has been straight white men. And having women, let alone South Asian women in this space is so amazing because part of punk is like literally screaming your feelings, which I feel like is the opposite of what our community has told (laughs) us to do, (laughs) especially for women. Like we're supposed to like just have it inside and like deal with it and and in whatever way we need so seeing women like literally scream and like belt out their feelings about loneliness and things that like normal teenagers feel or people young young people feel is like super awesome okay so the first band i'm going to talk about their name is pink shift and they're a queer punk band consisting of three members who are all poc which is super super cool like i mentioned the main singer is ash and they use she they pronouns their name is Ushurtha, but I think they prefer to go by Ash. And this could be incorrect info, so like don't slander me, but I think there was like a news article that they were supposed to go to med school at like John Hopkins or like one of those schools, but decided like, nah, I'm gonna follow my dreams and become a singer. And I just think that's like actually so cool. Not that that's like my dream or anything, but I I just feel, it feels really cool to see someone, again, like follow music, follow an artistic endeavor when it's been told so much in our life that you're not gonna, that's not gonna get you any money and like that could be true but for them to like follow their dreams and try this and at least like write some music is also is just super cool. So some song recommendations just to get you started and like this could totally not be your vibe and I totally get that but I think it's just like, it just would be nice to have like them on your radar. So the first song it's called I'm Gonna Tell My Therapist On You it's a really popular song actually it's like it got really popular on tiktok and it's just like a fun upbeat song that's just it's like kind of not shallow but in a way of like easy to understand and just like i feel like i really listen to these artists when i feel like i need to vent or like get energy out and then the second song is a song called in a breath and this song for me is like it's kind of the opposite of punk where it's it's a piano background and it's very quiet or quiet, not quiet, but just like it's very powerful. And for me, it kind of makes the world stop and just like understand the lyrics and speaks to like what I have to, what I feel sometimes. So, and I actually like found this group like after listening to another POC queer group, but it was like this one really stood out because the main singer was a brown person. And I actually got to see them in concert, which was like super amazing. And like one of the things I like really like connected with and was like it was super cool seeing was like first her facial expressions like really reminded me of like Barthezati, like how we like express ourselves in the face and like the way she did that. I like understood where she got that from. And then the second thing was she had this really cool tattoo that was like Kali, and I actually like talked to her after the set and like told her like that's such a cool tattoo like if I were ever to get a tattoo it would be something like that so just like feeling seen and like seeing all that just had like a special place in my heart
0: so I guess one of my questions would be like how did you find these artists like what were you were you looking for them or did you just stumble upon them
1: yeah so I think the way I listen to music is I just consume like I just try to consume as much as I can and like see what I like and how it like fits into what I like. So the way I actually stumbled on punk was really kind of like it I was actually literally stumbling onto punk because it was like my freshman year of college and one of my roommates really liked punk and I like listened to one song and like really liked how the genre was set up. But I was soon to realize like so many of the artists like props to them they're like good artists, but they just happen to be straight white men which I clearly like I really don't identify with a lot of what they're saying and the point of punk is kind of they like talk about their feelings and like how the world is affecting them so I think the way I wanted to continue to listen to this music and feel that connection was like finding either women artists or queer artists or whatever and I stumbled upon a group called Destroy Boys who like were is are like such an amazing group they are queer but they're not south asian but i really really fell in love with like their style of music and how they express themselves and then from there i just looked at like related artists and was like oh pink shift i've never heard of this and then i like look into the band a little bit more and i was like oh wow like this is so cool there's like a south asian person and i think just Like, it was all like per chance. It wasn't like I was actively seeking out. But one of the cool things that the main singer did was compile a list of South Asian musicians and put it in a playlist. And I was like, this is really cool because I, instead of me having to like specifically seek out and see like what I like, it's already there. And I think that's a really cool thing that like Ash did for the community. And it's like only specifically for our community. And I think that's a nice thing to have. So.
0: Yeah, I know. For me, like when I find South, like I stumble upon a lot of South Asian artists on Spotify and stuff. There's this specific artist. He has a song called "Sex and Drugs" by Ubhi the Nomad. I think I listened to some of his other songs, but I just liked that song the most because not even that it's not vulgar, but he. I don't know if he's queer. I didn't really like look into him, but I just really liked his song because it's not. Like something you'd normally see a South Asian person write about, like it's literally called "sex and drugs." Yeah, like yeah. we're told specifically, like <laughs> don't you dare talk about sex yeah, or, or drugs. Yeah, <laughs> but specifically like sex and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just like really like funny. I don't know. It like I was just like I love this song and I listened to it like five hundred times <laughs> and. Yeah, so every time I find, like, a Indian artist, I'm always like, okay, I'll listen to you 500 times yeah, because no, I, I need a support. You. Exactly.
1: <laughs> like, that, like, connects kind of with, like, the next errors I'm going to talk about, but, like, just that feeling of they're talking about taboo things or, like, things that we all do think about because we are human people but have, like, been forced not to think about such t- taboo th- topics that, like, I think normal humans should think about in, like, the progression of life. And I think just them speaking out and just like singing and doing what they want, like A, it's them buying their dreams, which sometimes we have to sacrifice or like our parents might have sacrificed, so it's cool seeing them break out of that. And B, it's like, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, it's kind of breaking that tradition or like breaking that stereotype that we don't speak our minds and we like just deal with things on the inside. So I just think all these artists. Like publicly saying all of these things and like screaming about how they're like depressed or whatever like is cool just to see that like we're not the only ones if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And then one more artist who like I really connected with and actually have I think I told you might have told you this story but it's like a really yeah so basically this so this artist her name is Yasmin Nur. She's literally a queen, like so cool, was so friendly. I got to so she actually opened for Pink Shift and was one of the artists on Ash's like playlist. So that's how I discovered her. And she also, I'm pretty sure she has a girlfriend, which super cool, like publicly has a girlfriend. And her lyrics really, really speak like to my soul and like really speak to like what I'm feeling, not just as a South Asian person, but just as like a woman, I think. One of my friends who was with me in the concert experience, who we talked with, F. Well, like, you know, yeah, okay. So she also feels like how strongly, how strongly I look like, she feels how strongly, like, the lyrics connect to both of us because she's also, like, obviously South Asian. And I think, like, with. Basically, so I'm just gonna give you some song recommendations and then I'll tell you my story. Okay, so some song recommendations from Yasmin Nur. So the first one is called "I Want to Throw Up." So I think the song like truly exemplifies like what it means to have like anxiety or like how I feel and just like it's just it's also like I think she also writes some like love ish songs or like breakup songs that like I said it it's. While it's not exactly about being queer, it's still nice to have South Asian women in this space. And then one of my favorite songs by her is called Voodoo Doll. And this one just has like so much energy. And if I ever need to like release my energy or just feel like I just need to like scream, I think this song is a good substitute than just screaming for no reason. And like, I think if you're like a little chiller in your music taste and like don't vibe with punk as much, Yasmin might be like a better one to... Like look up and like listen to because she's not like as he- like strong or heavy as Pink Shift but it's still like super cool music to listen to and I'm like really excited for her to release like her first full album I think she mentioned that it will be released pretty soon so that's super cool and like my st- okay so my story with her basically so she was the opener for Pink Shift's concert and l- Just a side note, this was probably one of the top three concerts I've ever been to. Like definitely concert junkie, and this one was just like super amazing. And I we got to meet her, like basically, me and my friend F, we saw her on the side, and F was like super nervous. I was like, we have to meet her. Like, she seems super open and super nice, so we like told her, We're like, Your music is so much, like, means so much to us, and it's like super, super amazing. And like what she told us at the end of the show when we got to like talk with her again was like, I bas- she basically said that she, like, makes music for girls like us. Like, basically for South Asian queer women or South Asian women like us. So it was just, like, really awesome to hear. Like, this is probably the first time I've ever heard that someone makes music for someone like me. Like, I think so much of culture is geared to, like, everyone else but us. Like, I think the only, like, South Asian primary TV show, for example, that I know is, like, Made by Mindy Kaling. Like, she's our only representation in TV shows, for example. So, I think having someone in the music space able to represent us and t- like show people how we're feeling is super, super amazing.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit about how you feel about Mindy Kaling? Oof. <laughs> okay, here's the thing
1: I appreciate that she is a South Asian woman in the, exp- in like, the artistic tv show movie whatever experience like and i appreciate that she's like like i said like the only south asian woman like really there being a producer however i think her stories are very one-dimensional and like oftentimes set and make south asian women look kind of weird and like if that was her experience i don't want to blame her for that like that's your high school experience but i just think in today's in age the way she writes is like not how like gen Z thinks at all especially like for example never have it ever it's a good show like there are some redeeming qualities like i taught, i had a friend who talked about how like the way what's her name baby's her name right Mm -hmm. baby like feels lost is like very similar to how she felt lost and i was like okay cool like i respect that however i think the way when it comes to respecting and like understanding your culture and like the embarrassment of your culture I just think it's way overdone and I feel like teens today or at least like Gen Z today don't feel as much embarrassment about their brown culture and even in high school as like the show made it seem to be and I feel like every single character that Mindy Kaling has ever made has like the same trope of like being obsessed with sex and like kind of weird and doesn't like their culture if that makes sense
0: yeah i mean I know for me growing up that there were some aspects of my culture that I was like, quote unquote, embarrassed of. I didn't want to like be overly Indian, but it took me like maturing as a person and just having different experiences to be like, no, I love being Indian. I love my culture. I love my food. Like, fuck all of you that say that it's stinky. Like, at least (laughs) we have seasoning.
1: Yeah. But yeah,
0: it's just she portrays this very one dimensional character and i've noticed that she only really like especially in all of the shows that she's created even the office the brown woman always ends up with the white man yeah exactly
1: and like that's her experience and i that's totally valid but i just and i think she actually mentioned that like in the south asian community brown men told her she was too dark or too fat or Mm -hmm. whatever they told her and like i respect that but i think how i just feel is like i'm tired it's like honestly not her fault because if she's the only south asian woman and she's talking about her own experience i just think it's time for more south asian people to be in media but i just hope people don't think that's how all brown girls feel or yeah. <laughs> like think
0: i think that a lot of people in hollywood are like oh we have that one person for south exactly. asian so yeah, exactly. we're good enough like exactly. we've met our we quota a, a token brown girl <laughs> yeah like,
1: we're good and because she can make, like, so many shows and stuff, like, we're good, but it's, like, it's all the same character. And, like, people don't realize that, and I think that's, like, a pitfall of, like, Hollywood is, like, they only need that one character. They yeah. only need that one brown girl or brown person, so. Yeah,
0: it's that was really emphasized when in the Oscars... They had the Natu do Natu do performance, and none of the dancers were South Asian. Yeah, not a single one.
1: <laughs> like, are you joking me? Like, it's so funny because brown people are so good at dancing. Yeah. But no one like realizes that, or like, i just I just think there's a lack of integration of South Asian people in media, where like they don't understand anything other than like racism, or like they're just like you guys like the the problems you guys have, or like people think your food is too stinky, or like. People, like, think your culture is too, like, home and community-related. Like, there's just, like, these small stereotypes that they all think, but they cannot branch out and think that we've grown up or, like, we have other things that we can contribute. Yeah,
0: which is why I kind of, like, I hate the in any kind of, like, any person of color, when they add a person of color or a queer person in a show, their entire personality is their culture and their queerness if they're queer yeah and they never mix the two like it's very rare that they'll have like a brown queer person or like any other person of color that's also queer or something like that yeah
1: and it's like even sorry to interrupt but even like in never i have her ever where like it's not her entire culture it's not her entire like persona is like being brown but it's just like if your entire persona is not being brown then it's about being embarrassed how you're brown and that's like yeah i just think
0: that was really shown in Sex Lies of College Girls. Oh yeah, another show that Mindy Kaling made.
1: That one is super weird, but I'm glad the brown girl is the bad guy <laughs> because I think we need to show all the flares. <laughs> but yeah, and I like even for like people who are Muslim, for example, I saw this TikTok where they were like, the only roles that Hollywood wants me is like terrorist roles. I'm like, that's so awful. Yeah, and
0: another thing I've noticed in Hollywood is that almost every single time there's a muslim woman on the screen there's always some kind of situation where she has to take her hijab off oh yeah and it's like
1: what does this mean yeah like, what, what, are like, what are you
0: doing or she's like there's, it's just disrespectful exactly there's like
1: no embracing like being muslim there's only like the bad things about it and it's like there's so many like cool things about like about
0: the so, culture, the culture and, and the religion, religion. yeah
1: that like it's either about like it being super radicalized or like I hate my religion because it's so awful like that's just, this is why like we need more like
0: this brown representation yeah, exactly. in general exactly exactly what I was gonna say is that I really liked the show sex education because oh, yeah. almost a lot of the characters were people of color and not once was that their entire identity two of the three popular kids are brown one of them is queer yeah one of them is queer and they're they have like a personality exactly. like they are people yeah. and it's not just like i'm brown my parents are so oppressive like i can't do anything i can't <laughs> leave the house like the brown girl like explores her sexuality explores like what she likes and what she doesn't like when she's having sex the queer brown guy also, like, explores his insecurities in being queer and being, then like, having sex as a queer man, and it's just, like, he had so much more to him, like, there he was, like... Exactly. He wasn't just, like, this one-dimensional
1: character where, like, that's the thing is, like, I feel like there's, there's so many, like, token tropes, but this show, it shows, like, we are, like, real people, <laughs> like, we're not just, like, this box that, like, you can fit us into as cliches that sounds, but... I also really like that show and it's like refreshing to see like society be more represented than just like all white people
0: yeah and it's represented in like a actual like I'm brown but I also really like Mickey sports <laughs> I really like I'm like a bully. I, <laughs> I'm a bully there, no not you <laughs> <laughs> was a character. oh yeah yeah, yeah, he's like really mean yeah, to everybody. Both of them are like super mean, especially the guy. He's yeah. just, like, don't fucking come <laughs> near me. But yeah, I'm like, I pride myself in being like funny. Like I mm-hmm. like. Being brown is just one of the aspects yeah. of a lot of things that are about me. Like it's just another adjective. It's not like who I am
1: yeah. as a person. Like I'm not just like a, a brown. Like it's like. The, I think the reason, like, we talk about being brown is because it's either, like, pushed down so much or, like, there's a lot of things fighting against us, mm-hmm. but, again, it's it's not about, like, we're this one-dimensional person or, like, brown people are just, like, smart or just, like, model minority, whatever. It's, we have so much to give and we're so well-rounded yeah. as people.
0: Yeah. Like- I personally absolutely despise math. Like, whoever <laughs> made the concept of math so important. I mean, day to day. Okay, one plus one, maybe, like, percentage okay. Okay. tips. But, like, I mean, calculus? Okay, but
1: also, like, again, white people stole all the brown people's cred. Yeah, Because we did this earlier again. colonization. <sighs> like, back to first episode, we <laughs> want some colonization <laughs> but information <laughs> information now i feel like if you want colonization, no,
0: if you want colonization.
1: <laughs> but yeah so i think that's that's kind of how i feel about mindy Kaling. like i don't want to like i don't think she deserves to like be like have hate from so much from people i yeah. just think this just shows the need to have more people in the space.
0: Yeah, because they've made her make, like, how many shows now? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, she, she's a good writer, and, like, yeah. her shows do well, except Velma, we don't want to talk about that one, because <laughs> that one is, like, actually impossible to watch. It was so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I just think we need to, like, retire the one-dimensional brown character that she puts out. Yeah,
0: because I think the one-dimensional brown character is, like, multidimensional, herself. but it's herself. Yeah, Like, exactly. she puts herself into everything, and we need someone that kind of represents a group of people and not just one kind of person.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like th- throughout life, like I feel like the brown community, yes, we've had Bollywood or like that aspect. And like that's nice. I think that's where we saw our representation as a kid. But again, those are people who live in India and like don't echo the same sentiments as we do as being, like, an American person.
0: Yeah, and they actually, like, sometimes will, like, make fun of us. or Like, you know, like, ABCDs, NRIs. And, like, I completely understand the sentiment of we don't live there. We don't know what it's like. We definitely have different values. Yeah. So it's nice to see people who grew up here and understand what it's like to grow up in a place where you are constantly reminded of the color of your skin and how different you are than everybody else. Yep, 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 exactly.
1: So, uh, okay, now to just, like, end off with the music recommendations. There's two more artists I want to talk about if you're more into, like, pop. They're, like, very, very, like, under, not underground, but just, like, on the rise. So, one of them, her name is Gayathri Krishnan, and I really vibed with one of her songs called Aura because it it like included some like Bollywood, Hollywood, Tollywood, whatever influences. Like there were songs I recognized from my childhood that like my parents would play. So I thought like the Eastern mixed with like Western style of music is super cool. I think I really, really enjoyed that because as a kid, we not made fun of, but like I at least was like afraid to share that aspect of eastern style music carnatic music with people who didn't know what that was because i like specifically remember one one time in class like some kid like it didn't make fun of it it's probably because they didn't understand or like it just sounded silly to them but i think that has always put now or that at that time that put a fear in me that people would make fun of my culture and like music in that way so it's cool seeing this this kind of mix of vibes and then the last artist, Ria Raj, she has a song called Venom, and
0: I think... Is she famous on TikTok? Probably. I think I've heard this song.
1: Yeah, she she's like... Something about her is her, her album covers are like very unstereotypical stereotypical of how Indian women are portrayed. Mm-hmm. Like she's very like open with her body, which mm-hmm. like I feel like a lot of Indian women are not as comfortable, or like in the past weren't are were like told to like... Cover up. Cover up. And... That's a whole other story, but it's just cool. You can link to that in the colonization <laughs> episode once again. <laughs> but I I think super... She, she's also super cool. And I'm, like, looking forward to seeing her grow a bit more and, like, listening to her more.
0: Yeah. It's so refreshing to see people who... Because even, like, this podcast, we're anonymous. We're so, like, I don't want to say scared, but we're just very cautious of how people perceive us and how like if we were to reveal our names how we would be perceived by friends family outside people just people even in the south like in the queer community so it's really nice to see people who are so out and loud and proud and be south asian and mix all these cultural values and really combine the intersectionality of race culture and sexuality in music and literature yeah exactly like
1: it's i think you put it perfectly where like a part of me wishes this wasn't just hidden like i wish at some point in my life like i can be as open as these people because this identity i'm still trying to figure out why but like it's just so important to who i am being south asian and also queer so i just like i'm very appreciative to these people who are like telling their stories through music and through literature and just like finding ways to connect with brown queers
0: yeah because I know for a fact that like these people in their lives like have haters close to them yeah because of like their profession yeah and what they're like choosing to put out into the world and if they ever hear this podcast which I don't know if they would but like (laughs) we really appreciate you going out of your way to represent such a big demographic of people that are hidden.
1: Yeah, are whose voices, um, because of life circumstances and also cultural values, are not able to have their voices be amplified and also just because of racism. <laughs> <laughs> just sprinkle that in there.
0: <laughs> Hashtag so. racism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think I, I really like, and if I were to ever meet these people again or meet them, and I would just like, shower them with like praise compliments and like plead them to continue making music and continue writing
0: moving on from art (laughs) moving on from music okay real quick
1: before we end off this episode i i think there's some books that if you don't really vibe with the music i have said i think these books are like kind of cool to again we're gonna say this this word over and over. I feel like this podcast should be, just be called like representation, <laughs> like, but they give good representation specifically for South Asian queer people. So, first there, is, so basically after this, like after the start of this podcast, this was part of my 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 third my like journey to find more South Asian media after music. So I like delved into books because I do like to read, and I actually like went to India really recently. So. I needed some of this entertainment to like keep me just like vibing. So, and part of this journey, I was like, why not like read South Asian queer books if I can find them? Like, I feel like that's super, super cool. Like, I've never like actually read one. So, here are some books that I like read on along the way. So, the first one is a memoir. It's called We Have Always Been Here. And it's about this refugee from Pakistan who came to Canada and was kind of forced into an arranged marriage and then they escaped it and basically this is their queer journey of like how they discovered themselves and like really chose their own career, chose their own life and like really made strides for themselves. So the author's name is Samra Habib. So she's a really or she or they, sorry if I misgendered them, but are a really cool photographer that like won a lot of awards for bringing awareness to like muslim queer people and i think with their story it was about refinding religion because so many times they felt like once someone became queer they kind of let go of being muslim but they found that the quran had like a lot to give and wasn't and like islam isn't la- not, it's not supposed to be a religion that closes people out like her so it was it was really it was a really cool memoir and then the next genre is YA Trash. It's like cute, but like it's not as trashy as like some YA, but it's a YA. So there's two books. One of them is called She Drives Me Crazy. So this book was written by a white author, but they somehow managed to get like the complexity of being a Malayali girl. Who like So the secondary character is like this Malayali cheerleader. Who is like very confident in her sexuality, or oh, okay, confident with her sexuality with her family, but not with her friends, which is a cool twist. <laughs> and also, like, this the, the character was very like dimensional and like was not just like this flat character, and I really, really appreciated that. And like, the author able, was able to get our culture right, which is super awesome, like, specifically. Like curly hair, and also there was like something I forgot. There was just a, this like this set of quotes where the main character, who was a white person, was like, "Oh, I'm in AP AP European History," and the cheerleader was like, "Yeah, you mean where they like whitewashed everything and like ruined my culture?" And it's just like cool. It's just cool to see like some understanding of brownness, even if it was from a white author. And I think the way that this romance played out was really like cute. And like wonderful and like not as like dramatic as like she having to like come after her parents and her parents like not like accepting her blah 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 so it was just like refreshing to see that it did make me a little sad because I'm like I wish I had these fictional parents but it's okay and then there's my the second YA trash book there's a book called honey and issues guide to fake dating so both of these characters are brown and they're one of them is muslim and they're both bengali so just seeing them interact and like again like we mentioned before they, they weren't just like these flat characters they they had like stories and personalities and in this case one of their parents was very accepting and opening and the other wasn't and actually one of the like girl's stories in this she it was it's almost mirrored my relationship with my sister in like a kind of sense like not totally but it was just super cool to see how that played out where in the past her and her sister were like not as close, but because of like shared, not trauma, I don't want to use the trauma, but like.
0: But do you want to use the word trauma?
1: It's like, okay, I don't think being with my parents is traumatic. I just think the shared understanding of like who my parents are, mm. like that kind of brought them back together because her older sister was getting married and their parents didn't approve of that and the younger sister was gay. So it was like that was kind of cool to see. Not that like that that's that wow. Not like that's happening with my family, but it's just like the sister dynamic was
0: nice to see. Nice to
1: see and also like the only one I've ever seen that's accurate to how I feel. And then finally there's a fantasy book called The Jasmine Throne which like literally is what was my favorite of all of these. It was just like I've never seen fantasy done with brown people, so it was super cool and also happened to be that the main characters were gay. So that was super, super, super awesome. Or and they were also like lesbians. So like everything about this, I can't like describe the plot very well. It's just like a mystical, magical like thing, and it also included a lot of things from our culture, even though it was fantastical. So
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, thank you for sharing all those. I feel like I'm definitely going to look into some of those books. And I kind of wanted to close off with, like, if you are just South Asian and an ally listening to this, there's also some book recommendations and author recommendations that I would like to share that represent kind of the South Asian experience or even just, like, the Brown experience. So there is this amazing author by the name of Khaled Husseini. One of his books, The Kite Runner, got adapted into a film, I'm pretty sure, but I first discovered his book, A Thousand Suns. Well, yes, that's probably top five, one of my yeah, favorite books. Yeah, it is, like, seriously one of my favorite books. I read all three, like, I think it was like, kind of a trilogy. They're all kind of based off of, like, the same kind of historical fiction vibe. At this point, it is historical because the Americans have left the Middle East, but it is really representative of the brown experience of muslim brown people in pakistan in the middle east and it talks about the experience of terrorism on like individuals it's not about it's not like portraying brown people as terrorists it's how terrorism has impacted brown families and brown people and what horrors and terrible things that people have been through and seriously like reading these books I was like some of these things had to have happened like there's just no way that these things haven't like happened even though it's like quote-unquote fiction he's writing it from his own head but these things have definitely like happened during this time period yes so I think his books are The Mountain Echoed, A Thousand Suns, and The Kite Runner. Okay
1: I've only read A Thousand Suns I think I don't know about the mountains one but just another book basically that I thought of on while I was listening to you um it's not a queer book but it is a South Asian book it's called Honor and it's oh, it's by it's by Thruti Umrigar and basically this book is an interesting delve into like what it means to be like an immigrant and like it follows this journalist who comes back to India after leaving when she was a child, and you'll figure out, you'll find out why she left as a child, and seeing like her storytelling and journaling on this on this little village where a lot of horrible things happen, and she's trying to like talk about it and like help this woman, and she like discovers a lot about herself and like her love and things like that and it's actually this book is part of Reese Witherspoon's like book club thing but it's it's super amazing and this book is just really good I don't want to give too much away I don't remember enough of like what happened in the beginning but I just remembered how much this book like stuck with me so yeah
0: and then the last book I wanted to recommend was Notes on an Execution by Dania Kufaka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She is a white author, but she depicts the story of a man who is being put on death row. And it follows, like, three women in his life who have been victims of... Well, okay, there are three women in his life who kind of explain why he ended up the way he did. Or they are victims of his violence. So, basically, one of the women, she is a brown like, she's half white, half brown, and throughout her entire childhood, it kind of depicts how she was put in the foster care system with this boy who ended up being a serial killer, and it just follows her struggles of being a person of color, especially a brown girl, in the foster care system, and how traumatizing that was for her, because there was absolutely nobody that she could like talk to. There was nobody that like looked like her or was experiencing the same things as she was or to explain her culture to her. So later in the book, she is trying to like rediscover who she is and kind of research and learn more about her culture Mm -hmm. and her father. And she becomes a detective And she uncovers this whole mystery of who was the serial killer and how she put him in prison and on death row, basically, because that's what the whole story is about. But I really liked this book because there's a huge, like, lack of discussion about South Asian children in the foster care system. So it really touches on the impacts that foster care has on south asian children and how they grow up
1: that's really cool i think you've made me want to read this book (laughs) just i think that's um an interesting point to bring up like there's so many aspects of the world that we forget south asian people are struggling and going through like gender violence and being in foster care and other things like that so any media that shines a light on that and like helps me understand at least like what that's like and how i can empathize with them is like really is what I like really want to seek out
0: yeah so what would you like to say to conclude our mini series (laughs) so
1: sad I, I hope this is not like the last episode we ever do I think for now we're gonna call it um like put a pause on this um but I've really really enjoyed this experience just talking with people and like listening to their stories specifically people who I can like identify with I think T kind of mentioned this earlier and throughout the podcast that finding people who are part of the South Asian community was took a long time. And I hope this podcast really allows other people who feel this way to like at least know that their stories and their feelings are like not just their own. Like you have other people who feel a similar way, and I f- hope you can find community while like, you might not know us in person, you at least have this community of people who are willing to speak speak on, for you and like help advocate for South Asian queer rights.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that this podcast came to life. My goal was to do six episodes. I wanted to make a mini-series and talk about various communities within the South Asian queer identity. It's super cool how this started off more as a school project. (laughs) The school I go to is predominantly white, and I was in this class about reproductive justice, and the professor made it a point to bring in voices of color and perspectives of color, but they consistently left out the South Asian perspective, and it was something that I talked to them about, and they were like, yeah, I might try to, you know, put some more perspectives into the curriculum, but this project, this was my final project, is what the first episode was, was super important to me because it was just an accumulation of what what I had been asking of from this course for the entire semester. And at the end of the day, I made my own perspective because I was like, there needs to be something there needs to be more resources more research more art more literature more everything that talks about the south asian queer experience the south asian experience in general south asian reproductive rights south asian culture and
1: like racism against us and i think this podcast really helps bring things back to the surface because we've always been here like we've been here for a good amount of time and so many people of so many people we mentioned have been doing their work diligently and trying to get their representation so like any work to help bring it more to the surface and like have us and like allow us to have more of a voice and let, be less hidden is i think a win for any th- for our community so i think i'm glad to be part of this experience i i'm glad to like be able to like shout out as much as i can like who i am and what I feel and I hope that really connects with people who don't have that same resource.
0: Yeah, so if this is the first episode you're listening to, for some reason you just went straight (laughs) to the last one, there is a lot of resources in almost every single episode of resources of how to come out to your parents, different organizations that advocate for queer rights in India, organizations that advocate for coming out to your parents and how they can help with that and therapy that's associated with being South Asian and queer and how that can also involve therapy within the family as well we brought on a lot of amazing guests and I'm so happy that they all agreed to share their experiences so special shout out to all of them thank you so much for coming on and teaching Being us a lot vulnerable, of, like, yeah, and
1: yeah, and like I think I find so much value in listening to other people's stories, but when there's no avenue for them to tell their stories, I'm glad we were there to like help provide it for them.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe one day the hidden rainbow will be the revealed rainbow. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll come see. out and tell you who well, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, on the queer ultimatum, they were talking about how you always have to keep coming out to people like it's never just a one and done throughout your entire life you have to be like yeah hmm. Peace. You, can't, you guess, but
1: that's like you don't have to do that
0: for like race like, yeah it's like usually by the way i don't know if you could tell i'm not white i'm brown <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i'm really glad that you agreed to do this with me I'm glad and... you asked me <laughs> Yeah. and
1: i hope Maybe in the future, we'll have like an anonymous Instagram or like email or something if people are interested. I don't know how they would let us know, yeah. <laughs> but I hope this is helpful for all of you.
0: Yeah. And uh, I mean, if we do end up making an Instagram or something, well, <laughs> you can let us know what we, c- we could have done better and what you would like to see in future episodes if that ends up happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye.